right, folks, welcome back to another edition of Behind the Yellow Line, a baseball podcast. You know, for a couple of weeks now, we've been saying, hey, we got to get some guests going here. The lockout continues to move on. Some optimism there that maybe a finish line is in sight. But we wanted to open up the door and bring in a great Cubs fan and a great photographer. Matt DeLeon, you know him on Twitter, the Twitter account, at MBD Chicago. If you're listening to this podcast, I assure you, you've seen some of his photography. Matt, we appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for giving us some time and joining us. Well, I appreciate the chance to do so. Thank you. Well, I mean it, though. We do want to talk about your photography. You've taken some iconic shots, even some classic video going back to the 2003 Chicago Cubs that caught that you posted recently. Do you want to talk about all of that? But something that we begin with, we talk a lot about community. We talk about what it means to be Cubs fans, something that's awesome about being a Cub fan. We all come from different backgrounds, different experiences, yet here we are pulling for the same team. You could have picked any sport. You could have picked any team. Why the Cubs? How did that end up being your baseball team? I mean, do we do we really pick the Cubs? Is that exactly how it happened? No, they they pick us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my my parents actually were both from the Philippines, so they didn't have any real history with baseball coming in. My father was a lot older than my mother, um, but ironically, they both at different points in time lived around Wrigley Field. Um, my mother lived on Wilton, and my father lived. I can't remember the name of that street that's right near the taco place. Uh, that's right away. Uh, that's right near. Um, the Addison stop, but um, both of my parents lived near there. Uh, they spent a lot of time on the north side. I was born in Evanston, cool. uh, so it, geographically, stereotypically, I guess I was born on the, the part of town that would make me a Cubs fan, but very early on, I, I think one of the things that probably subconsciously they wanted to emphasize as much as possible was, you know, trying to be as American as possible, and they probably tried to emphasize that with their son. Uh, as much as they could. And, and, and baseball definitely was a part of that. And Cubs baseball was definitely a part of that. Uh, I can, I think my first game, uh, I was, I may have been three or four. Uh, I remember going to games uh, in the, in the mid seventies. And, and I, I think there was a game I went to, it was a double header where Tim Hosley hit a home, a grand slam wow. uh, in 1975. Uh, I remember getting the, the team pictures that didn't have, a, it wasn't like a team picture, like everybody else's. It was like, little floating heads that were in the, uh, you know, in a, arranged in a, in, in, in rows, um, you know, so just all those weird, weird Cubs things that were part of the seventies. Uh, my father took me a lot of games that where I saw Dave Kingman play uh, opening day, 1978. I'm on his shoulders for two hours waiting to get into the game. And, awesome. you know, this is a 69 year old man and not a very light, you know, 10 year old child or nine year old <laughs> child. So uh, it, I mean, Cubs identity has been part of my life for a very long time. Obviously, everything that everyone else has been through, 84, 2003. I've been a season ticket holder since 2002. I guess mm. this is actually my 20th anniversary as a season ticket holder. And that was probably the one thing that sort of cemented me is like I've actually I've hit official adult Cub dumb in a way, Cub, you know, Cub fanness in a way is actually becoming a season ticket holder. And, so that's sort of, you know, where it happened and, and how it happened, I guess. So that that's great, especially the part about your parents kind of wanting you to be as American as possible and using the baseball as a vehicle for that. Uh, so as great as those are, now we're just going to turn things completely dark. What was the first time that the Cubs broke your heart? What was the first time that this team just plunged in the dagger and, and left you there? You know, I, I, I mean... I don't, it's hard to tell because I think I've gotten used to it happening so often that it's, you know, I can't really pick the one, there was that one moment, but I guess maybe the very first time would be the, the summer of 77. The, the Cubs were in first place for, from about May until I want to say September. Uh, I remember actually going to a Cubs Pirates uh, Sunday game. And that was when like the, the, the place broke out in a chant after beating the Pirates were number one. And uh, it, they actually put it on pennants, which of course was a huge mistake, Oops. Um, but a very Cubs thing to do. And, uh, you know, I can remember Bruce Studer's back going out on him uh, in the month of August and he was on the disabled list and the Cubs sank like a stone. Uh, that was probably the very, very first time. Um, 84, of course, was its own special hell. Yeah. And then, um, you know, 
89 didn't really feel like, I mean, we were in it, but it didn't really feel like we were in it. Uh, and of course, you know, I was at game six uh, in 2003, uh, went to actually all, was lucky enough to go to all those games uh, for, for the playoffs uh, at home. And it was, it was as if you weren't there in person, it was yeah, as bad as it was on TV, it was a million times worse in person. Uh, so I, I guess there's a pick of things, but yeah, 77 would probably be the first time that they really stuck it to me. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. Um, going back to the seventies, cause it seems like that's kind of the time where you, you, you're like coming of age as a Cubs fan being a seventies, you mentioned Dave Kingman. Um, and also in 77, I think the white Sox were also pretty good too. So they were at over the summer, there was a uh, kind of some, you know, subway series or, you know, L line series talk, but that never came to out. But is there any like player in the seventies, um, you know, that really kind of sealed it for you, like your favorite player growing up, like who, who was that guy? Uh, interestingly, I think it, at first it was Bill Madlock, mm-hmm. but then they traded him, of course. In fact, I think Friggy Jenkins posted something on Twitter today about the, the great season he had for the Rangers in 1974. And I was like, well, that was a, it was a, Bill Madlock was a great return for Fergie Jenkins to pitch that well for the Rangers. And then of course the Cubs go and trade him you know, two seasons later, just two and a half seasons later. So uh, Bill Madlock was probably the very, very first one. Uh, and then that 77 team, Devon DeJesus was new on that team. And, uh, you know, he was he was a lot of fun to watch. He seemed to run differently. He seemed to hustle a little bit differently. He just had a little different approach to the game. Um, and, of course, Bill Buckner. You know, Bill mm-hmm. Buckner was always somebody that, uh, that at least stood out as, as somebody you could rely on. You just really and game in and game out, and of course, when he left the team, it was something that was at least it appeared to him on video to be a you know big crushing thing for him to actually move on from the Cubs. So uh, even though it was probably time for it to actually happen, so I would say those are the those would be the three. If I had to narrow it down, it's, it's somewhere between Madlock, DeJesus, and Buckner. Those three. Yeah, cold batting champs there. Yeah. So yeah, uh, three of them, right? Yeah. It's fun thing uh, about being a fan of this franchise is whatever your years are, we are sort of products of the nineties and the Mark Grace teams and Sammy, Kerry Wood. I mean, those are the guys that defined our childhood as Cubs fans. I think of the seventies too. A, a lot of Cubs fans, I think unfairly think there's like a black hole from 45 to 84 because of the playoff drought, but late 1960s, early 1970s had some good Cubs teams. The late 1970s had some competitive Cubs teams and then it all changed. 1984. That was the year that uh, everything went wild at Wrigley Field. And really from that point on, there were some bad years in the 80s some bad years in the 90s. But we've seen some competitive baseball. Felt like 84 was a turning point for the franchise in a lot of ways. Oh, for sure. I mean, um, you know, I remember uh, I remember in, in 1984 how uh, it was it was you had, actually there were a bunch of things going on in 84. There was the Olympics were going on. And, I think there was, you know, some of the things that came to my consciousness were, were going on, like, a, you know, there were presidential election year and, and different things that you probably didn't really think about that much. But that summer was just all, it was 100% Cubs uh, and being able to, um, being able to, to follow that team, uh, especially after they made the big trade for, uh, for Rick Sutcliffe uh, and, and, you know, letting that really, you know, set the, the team on its way. Uh, you know, chasing the Mets for a little bit and then finally passing them. Uh, all of that was great. And, you know, the fact that it was the Mets, even though I was born in 1969, I didn't have anything to do with 1969 as a fan, knowing that was a big deal uh, to a lot of fans uh, of that generation uh, was kind of a fun thing. And then, of course, my daughter, you know, th- you talk about the 90s. My daughter was born in 1998. So wow. that whole summer, that month of June, she was born. That was Sammy's month you know, to, 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 to basically set that home run record, uh, which uh, I don't think anyone's actually ever even, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it was just an amazing uh, summer of baseball as well. Even though I couldn't go to as many games because I had a newborn at the time. It's understandable. Uh, appreciate you trying to distance yourself from 1969 saying I, I had nothing to do with that. It was not my fault. It wasn't me. All right. So you are a season ticket holder. You have been for 20 years now. Hopefully you get to see year number 20 or 21, whatever this season is for you. Yeah, for uh, sure. Where are your season tickets and do they kind of correspond with your favorite spot in the ballpark? Or is there another spot in the ballpark that you like to sit in on occasion? 
So uh, we're sitting in, I guess it's hard to, now we've got the new numbering, right? It's right. New, yeah. Not new, but it's, it's section 222. Um, so that would be basically like, if you drew a line from, if you drew a line up from the uh, visitors on deck circle and then past the main row or the main aisle, I don't know how, how you describe it, three rows up from that is where you'd find me. Um, and, and usually right by the staircase. So we're usually right in that. My daughter and I, usually, we're, we're the ones who go to all the games. Uh, typically when I have the tickets, I mean, there's occasions where she can't go and that's when somebody else gets a chance to go. My wife will reluctantly go just because she gets too competitive when she's sitting there watching games. So she doesn't, she doesn't want to get too hyped up about it. Um, but that's usually where we sit. Uh, other times we've been really lucky and we've gotten seats from friends at uh, right behind the first base dugout, right behind the third base dugout. Um, and those are obviously, you know, very cool uh, places to sit for photos. Um, we've sat in the bleachers uh, either, and, and of course we've sat in the, and we also have sat in the upper deck. I mean, and, and of course there's really no such thing as a, as a bad seat. I mean, it's, it's a, it's sort of a cliche, but it's true. There's really no such thing as a bad seat in Wrigley Field. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's a great place to, to watch a game. You're right on top of the action. And that makes, you know, taking photos uh, and the, all that more interesting and appealing, certainly. Well, we understand what you're talking about. We know that area well. Um, the name of our podcast here, Behind the Yellow Line, actually stems from the back of the 200 level, the standing room only section that used to be back there. That's yeah. where we grew up going to Chicago Cubs games. We stood behind that faded yellow line a million times watching bad Cubs teams go out and lose. But it was a cheap way to get into the ballpark and a nice view into the dugouts and everything when you're sitting back there. Uh, but you touch on your photography. You're clearly a big Cubs fan. Where did your passion for, for photography come from? And how neat is it that you're able to mix that with your love for baseball? I, I would say probably photography was one of those things that I was always interested in, but never really took up seriously. Uh, until my family started being able to go on, on vacations. You know, my daughter got a little bit older and, and we started to travel to different parts of the, the country, different parts of the world. And so picking up photography was just one of those ways to sort of, you know, capture those memories, keep them uh, probably in a little bit way that, in a way that's a little bit more, um, that's a, bit, a little bit more cumbersome, but also a little bit more uh, creative, you know, for me than, than putting stuff on an iPhone. And I only say that, because I can't shoot for shit on an iPhone. So, you know, um, you know, I have to have an actual camera. In fact, when people ask, they see my camera and then they're like, oh, can you take our picture? You know, and somebody wants to take a picture of the field, I, I hand the camera right away to my daughter because I can't do anything with an iPhone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was really literally where it started was, was just with trips and things. And, and then I just started looking into lenses and, and you know, you, you kind of have to choose between if you're gonna shoot Nikon or if you're gonna shoot Canon for the most part, uh, and then you pick a system and then you go with it. And I just started doing that. And then I really didn't start bringing the camera to the park on an every game basis uh, until maybe 2015. That was probably the first year I really started to bring the camera almost every single time I went. I mean, there'd be times I would just, you know, show up and watch, literally watch a game, um, you know, like a normal person. Um, but other times, uh, at, starting with 2015, that's when I really was like, you know, and it might've been because the team had put together something that made it feel a little special, um, you know, and I didn't want to miss anything. Uh, and so I figured out, you know, and it would also be a way I thought um, to sort of share that experience with other folks and, you know, and maybe make it possible for other people to have access, you know, to, to some of those same things that I see. And actually some things that I might see that might not show up like in a broadcast, you know, that's, that's one of the other things too, was trying to find things that uh, happenings and, and events or interactions that maybe, you know, folks wouldn't necessarily uh, pick up just by, by relying on the cameras that are in the stadium. So that was, yeah, that was really about the first time was, you know, between vacations and then 2015 was really the first time for, for and in 2016, of course, it became, you know, it was attached to me every single time I went to the game. Well, 2015, that's a great year to start documenting everything. Uh, you mentioned that uh, you, you start working on kind of what kind of system you're shooting on. Is there one brand or, or one, one make of equipment that you stick to, or do you have maybe different cameras that you alternate depending on where you're sitting in the ballpark? 
So I, I, I shoot with, um, with a Canon system. Um, my, the, the body that I have is a little bit older now uh, in terms of its, um, of where things have advanced. I mean, there's, without getting too really technical or, or nerdy about it, there's, you know, there's so many cameras now that are what they call mirrorless cameras that are a lot lighter than a lot of the cameras that I have now, which literally the, what a digital, what a camera will do is that the mirror will flip. There's a mirror on the inside and it literally flips inside the camera um, in order to take the image. And it does it in like split seconds. I mean, like in, in just nanoseconds practically. Um, but in mirrorless cameras, there isn't that flipping. There's no mirror. They're able to actually replicate the image quickly. And it means that the components of the camera are a lot lighter. I'd love to be able to switch to those eventually, um, you know, but I don't, you know, right now I've got, for, for those who, who do camera stuff, I've got a Canon 7D Mark II. That's what I typically shoot with. And then a, um, an F2.8 uh, 70 to 200 uh, IS2 lens. So that's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's one of those gray looking, you know, sort of, it's a professional lens, it's a gray lens. Um, and I must make a note, the Cubs are, it, it's, and if this helps at all um, to keep it this way, the Cubs are extremely generous in letting people bring in equipment to shoot um, games. Uh, they're a part, we went to Detroit last summer to see Shoei Otani play the Tigers and they would not allow me to bring in my, my typical uh, camera. Uh, the, the Bulls have recently um, shut down uh, longer lenses now too. Um, so, you know, I, but I happen to know somebody who actually let me into one preseason game with, and I got to sit right up on the court, you know, um, and which was really cool. And I was actually able to shoot with a shorter lens, but which they actually were saying they wouldn't let me in with either, but they actually let me in with it. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, that's usually the lens that I bring in. I used to bring in like three or four different lenses, but you know, as I real, after a while, you realize you're, you're 90% of the time, you know, far enough away from everything that's happening that, um, that longer lens is really all you need. Uh, I have a question. Was there any particular moment when you realized like you can kind of grow a following online with your shots or was that something just, that just grew over time or was there like, you know, like a moment where you're taking, you're like, Oh, people are really interested in this. You know, it's really funny because, um, I feel like I went through actually all of, in terms of Instagram, I'll just start with, with Instagram. That was like the later, latest blooming social media piece of all of this. I feel like Twitter, people kind of caught on a little bit faster. And actually the moment where that happened was the April game. It was Chris Bryant's second game um, at uh, Wrigley Field, second game overall. And we're at Wrigley and it's freezing. And um, Starlin Castro, right? Starlin Castro gets the game-winning hit in, I don't know, it was off, of, I think it was off of Craig Kimbrell. It was, I was, I was at that game. So yeah. you, you and I were in the ballpark together that day, not, not together, it, together, but at the same time. Right. Exactly. And it was like, I mean, it was um, actually there's video. We saved the video clips because my daughter and I, um, somebody invited us to sit behind home plate and we were like three rows behind home plate. And actually we moved down to the, the row behind home plate for those extra innings. And you can actually literally see us trying to mock Craig Kimbrell, you know, doing the crane thing and, you know, like, you know, just leaning back and, and just doing everything we can to like, uh, you know, mock his arm motion because, you know, we didn't care for Craig Kimbrell back then, obviously. <laughs> um, and, and we're going to take credit for the fact that it worked and Starlin Castro got that hit. But I took a shot at that game of the, the celebration and it was Starlin Castro, David Ross, Miguel Montero, um, Anthony Rizzo. And then shout out to Bleacher Nation who actually, when I posted the shot, retweeted it. And that was really kind of the beginning. That was like the first time that people, that in it was like whatever, 400 likes or something. It was like, it was, it was a night, it was, and I was like, wow, like look at all these people are actually watching this stuff. And then, you know, I posted a couple more photos and people started to, to pick up on, on things from there. Uh, Instagram didn't actually happen until after spring training 2017. I posted a bunch of stuff on there. No one cared. But then after, after that, um, I went out to spring training for a little bit in 2017, like right at the very beginning and posted a couple of photos of Wilson Contreras. And it was, it was I think it was Jason Hayward taking grounders at short or something like that. And, and those somehow 
ended up blowing up on its own, which was really crazy. Um, and that's when Instagram got going. Uh, but those would be the, the two main events that, that one, that Chris Bryant came where he got his first major league hit, uh, and then the walk-off and then spring training 2017. So, um, those would be the, and those are really the only two social media places I post. I, I really don't place post up on, on Facebook or anything like that, or, or any of the other, um, uh, you know, social media pieces. I'm, I'm just probably behind on those to be honest with you. Well, you know, you're there's nothing quite like the Bleacher Nation bump, as we call it, right? Exactly. Yeah, that, that retweet is always great whenever you see that. You know, I like a point you brought up a couple of minutes ago about how you get to sort of put your personality or at least your perspective on these pictures and these photos that you're sharing. We get the traditional TV broadcast. We get to see all those replay angles, but it's your view from your seat when you're taking these shots. Uh, how do you balance being in the moment and enjoying the chaotic celebratory things that we've gotten to see at Wrigley Field over the last six, seven years with wanting to capture that moment and get that frame. How do you balance those two things in the excitement of a full ballpark? It, it's, it's, it doesn't happen well all the time. Like it'll happen often enough that I'll have something that I'll be like, this is great. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll keep this, but it, there's, if, you know, when, when I shoot it, there's probably, I can end up shooting, especially like a big, like game six of the NLCS. I probably shot, there was at least maybe 1200, 1300 oh. shots, just, you know, just shutter clicks. And, um, you know, of that, you know, the, the pictures that come of that were literally, even the, 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 the mad rush on the field, the thing you'd think I'd be the most ready for, considering it was, you know, a shutout and we're, you know, Chapman's on the mound, we're going to win the game. Um, even that, I couldn't capture that because I was so pumped and excited, jumping up and down, and like everyone else, um, I actually have a video of that where it's literally it's just insanity, and you hear my daughter just screaming, and it's, I mean, it's 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 you know the perfect memory of it. To be honest with you, that my shots of them celebrating as a group were not even really that great. Uh, but one shot I did get was uh, from that game that I really do like the fact that I got it. Clayton Kershaw gives up a home run to Anthony Rizzo, which was really, of all the daggers that were in that game, that was probably the dagger of daggers. And, um, you know, you see Rizzo rounding the bases. And I wanted to get Rizzo rounding the bases with Kershaw, like sort of, you know, faded in the back. But it ended up being Kershaw sharp and then Rizzo, you know, faded in the front. But it ended up being perfect because it's, you know, it's Kershaw with his mouth, hand over his mouth and, he's crouched down and he's completely beaten and defeated and, and disgusted with himself. And, and it's, it's exactly what you want to see. Um, and, but that's literally just from pointing that camera, trying to stand as still as possible while everyone else is, is going bananas, um, you know, celebrating. And later, like a couple of years ago, there was the same sort of situation, although it wasn't as meaningful, but Wilson Contreras hits a home run and he flips his bat a little bit in the air. And I was able to catch, all these hands celebrating Wilson Contreras, you know, putting his hand, uh, celebrating his, his home run, but Contreras is, you know, faded in the background and, and flips his bat. And, and actually that's another thing that's really probably made Instagram take off with stuff like that ended up getting reposted by the players themselves They're screenshotting yeah. and then they'll post it again. And, you know, and even if I don't get hundred percent credit for it, I mean, I really don't care. Cause I'm like, you know, I'll still, t I'll take a picture of it and be like, look, Wilson Contreras like this, Javi Baez like this. And, you know, it's one of those things where I just started to keep like, it's, it's important to know that, um, yeah, it's possible for people to get a reaction out of, you know, some of the shots that I'm taking, even if I'm not in the camera well with professional photographers with, with that perfect angle to get perfect shots. Um, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's a balancing act. And I, I very often fail at balancing, you know, my fandom with trying to get that, that shot that I really would like to get. I would think too that it would be special for you when you go back and you're sifting through the 1200 photos. You mentioned you're going to a lot of these games with your daughter. This mm -hmm. is quality family time. This is part of who you are and part of your family's identity. And then after a big win, you get to go back and look at those amazing shots and things that you were able to capture in the moment. That's gotta be really cool to replay that and to have those memories documented. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean. 
you know, and, and we're, we're kind of pack rats about everything, even before photography. I taught my daughter to score when she was like five or six. And, you know, and even when we were playing softball games, she would be the scorekeeper for our team and, you know, tracking things like RBIs and line drives and where they go and stuff like that. So, I mean, we, we kept all of those sort of scorecards. I still have our, our ticket stubs when we paid $15 to sit in the club box seats in 2001 to see the Cubs play the Expos at her first game uh, at Wrigley Field. So I kept those. I've got, I took a photo of her in front of the marquee on that day. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's all, it's been a, you're absolutely right. It's, it's literally, the, the, I handed the Cubs thing down to her uh, 100% when she was in Europe uh, for, uh, you know, semester abroad a couple of years ago. You know, she took a picture of herself watching the, the MLB TV live stream of, of opening day while she's at a club in Ibiza or some shit. I don't know. But I mean, you know, that was literally like, it's, it, it's that kind of, of, of thing for us. It's, we, and we, we plan our, our summers are completely planned around it. We've missed, obviously for good reason, we've missed Cubs convention for the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, miss the, 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 the idea of being able to, to hear and see, you know, it's like seeing your teachers out of school kind of thing, seeing the players in their street clothes and, and hearing them talk about things that they don't normally talk about. And yeah, so I mean, there's, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. Those are um, memories that, that I really do think will, will last a long time. And I'm sure it's really weird and different for people who aren't baseball fans to understand. Um, but I think Cub fans get it perfectly probably. Do you go to the ballpark with an idea of, okay, I want to shoot X, Y, and Z and almost pre-planned shots, or are you just reacting to what unfolds? So um, we used to have this routine where we would go, you know, and this, it's changed a little bit since he's out of school and started working, but we used to like meet up and, and even try to get into batting practice a couple uh, you know, hours early. And that was back when the, the bullpens used to be along the, the left field line and the right field line. And those were, you know, you could get, I would get like shots of, pay, you know, Pedro Strobe was the best. He would make goofy faces and, um, and, and he'd take, and he'd have, you know, pictures of him and um, um, uh, uh, Lester Strode and some other folks, Franklin Font, those guys in the bullpen, you know, were, were really generous with their time and, and, and were fun guys to sort of hang around. But, you know, I, I try to capture some things during batting practice, you know, sort of, um, you know, moments that are definitely not camera type, you know, uh, broadcast type of moments. Um, you know, if there's the, the one thing I do try to get in terms of the game action because of our angle at the field is I try to, if there's a play at the plate, I, I try to get those as much as possible. Um, you know, the thing about game action after a while, it's, it's sort of the same, right? Like you can only take so many pictures of, you know, guys batting, um, you can only take so many pictures of, of guys fielding, uh, but you know, there were, there were always some specific people that you probably wanted to catch if you could. Javi Baez was one, like if I had no place else to point my camera on a regular basis for the last, you know, six, seven years, five years, rather, whatever it was, I would point it at shortstop and wait for something amazing to happen for Javi to do something, you know, totally amazing. Um, you know, and, and then, like I said, plays at the plate were always great. Like I've gotten... David Ross tagging Matt Carpenter out at home plate. And then I've got Wilson Contreras tagging Matt Carpenter out at home plate. And I've got Taylor Davis tagging Matt Carpenter out at home plate. Nice. So, you know, thank you, Matt Carpenter, for, for making my day on, on all those occasions. This whole series. As much as possible. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, actually, it was actually three different series, three different years where we got those Ross and then Contreras and then Taylor Davis. Um, and the other thing is the celebration at home. Sometimes, you know, like you'll see especially grand slams grand slams are always fun because there's all this traffic at home plate you know there's players everywhere the umpires in the shot there's you know there's a defeated catcher usually in the shot um and and you know it's always great to see like the, the looks on people's faces um faces are the biggest thing trying to get faces in shots are probably the, 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 can be the biggest thing um coming to the first baseline the great thing about the first baseline is that you can get pictures of players running at you as they head towards first on their way rounding towards second. Um, and that's always an exciting shot. Uh, or you can get a shot of a player stealing a base whenever that actually happens. Stealing a base, uh, stealing second, for example. Javi, the, the most famous one was when Javi did the first swim. It was against the Brewers. I think it was Jonathan VR who was the, the shortstop. You actually see, in, I have this sequence of shots that Javi actually ended up liking, which is great. Um, 
where he he put you can literally see him put his arm forward and then pull it back and then there's this one like you know sort of v shot where it's his, it's his legs making this weird v and then Javi's looking up backwards to make sure that the umpire is called the the, the play right and vr is just completely whiffed on the tag um you know so there's just and then of course third base guys rounding third heading for home are always amazing because they're they're they're, put, they're exerting way more effort than they ever you know than, than they usually do you know in, in the course of the game that one moment in the game you really have to make something happen um so yeah that's those would be the uh, those would be the, the, the different points of view and the, and the different things that i try to catch those faces yeah and and that's something I've always noticed about your work is I'll see a photo and I'll say, you know, hey, I remember this moment on the broadcast, but this is a, a much different and a angle that says so much more, or I didn't see this on the broadcast. And, you know, this is a great look between the camera shots. You mentioned Pedro Strope, you mentioned Javier Baez, two guys with no shortage of personality and flair. Are there any other guys who were just consistently great photographic subjects for you guys who you always knew would do something worthy of taking photos of every time they were on the field? Oh, you know, um, Wilson Contreras, I think is another guy, uh, it, which who fits in that group. I mean, just because of the, the intensity, you know, if anything else, you know, he's, he, and, and, and there's, there's other moments that probably don't make it in the broadcast where people don't see all that often, unless you're at the park. And even if you're at the park, you might not notice it. But there are like softer moments for Contreras. Um, you know, I'll, I'll see a lot of times he'll, you know, he's getting together with the pitcher as they're walking in from um, as they're walking in from the bullpen from under under left field, and you just see there's like sort of this intimate moment where they're just they're talking about the game. I think. I mean, I can't hear what they're saying, obviously, but it just looks like they're really sort of trying to figure out a way to mind meld to get through this game and to, and to do everything they need to do. And to be on the same page, um, there was that that first season where Ross had retired, and now Wilson was going to catch John Lester. And there's a photo I have of, of, of Wilson making his way to the mound to talk to John Lester. And you know, it, it, you could clearly see there was the beginning of a bond between them. Um, and there's actually a shot uh, from uh, I don't. Many of you might be familiar. Wilson has. Uh, a, a friend with uh, developmental disabilities, Daniel, who um, who comes to the field a lot, and actually, uh, and, and is a good friend of his. And, and when he sees him, Wilson lights up, gives him a huge hug, um, you know, and, and really enjoys uh, Daniel's company. And you know, so I've, I've actually caught some some photos of that, and I'm, I'm really glad that I got those pictures uh, as well, uh, because. You know, those those are everyone knows intense Wilson Contreras, you know, F you Wilson Contreras <laughs> on third base at a, at a Brewers game. But, you know, there's there's a there's a, a much there's a much stronger human side to him, too, in terms of his photos. Uh, you know, I don't know him personally, but I think that you know some of that if, that if he's as honest as he normally would be with his emotions on his sleeve, I think it comes through in, in those moments. also. And as far as Strope and, and Javi goes. There was a moment that Mother's Day 2016 walk-off winner, which I think JD mentioned on the broadcast. I was there, so I didn't hear it, but I heard it later when I played it back, where you know JD mentioned Strope running down the third base line with Javi, you know, and it's you know there's actually a photo I have. And I'll try to share it, you know, later tonight or tomorrow, and it's literally yeah, it's, it's there's Javi with his pink arms outstretched, and then there's Strope just running you know, looking like a drum major or something running down the, the you know, the third base line right next to him, uh, just, just going crazy. And it was just, what, it was the 25th win of the year in like our 30th game or something like that. So something crazy that was just a magic year, just a magic time. But those three guys for sure, you know, jump out. Rizzo too. Rizzo will make a fun, I mean, Rizzo makes faces that are just, you know, but they're, they're it's, it's like, if you don't hear that, I think if you heard the comment, they'd be even funnier. Uh, that kind of thing. There's a photo I have of, of Javi and Rizzo just like laughing about something in the middle of a pitch, like in between pitches, you know, Rizzo says something to Javi and Javi's just cracking up and Rizzo's just laughing, you know, sort of in the foreground. Uh, and then there's another photo I have of Javi and Rizzo battling over a, a pop fly. Uh, I think it was during, a, it might've been during a, a playoff game uh, on the first baseline. And another one where, where Javi and Rizzo or Javi drops a fly, like interferes with Rizzo trying to catch a pop fly in an early season game and the ball drops. 
and Javi's just like putting his arm up and saying, my bad, you know, and it's just, those are you know, those sorts of interactions. And I hate that it's those guys. I hate that it's just those guys. I mean, I'm glad that it's those guys and I caught them, but I really feel bad that after July of last year, you know, I felt like I really took a lot less photos than I would have taken, you know, and, and, get, and I think I even tweeted, I was like, man, sometimes I bring my camera and I'm like, I don't know what to shoot or I don't know who to shoot anymore because it's just sort of like my team is gone. My team, my team is, is no longer here. Um, even though my team is here, but the guys that I had been used to making sure, make sure I get a hobby shot, make sure I get a Wilson shot, make sure I get Vizzo doing something, KB, you know, I, that, that wasn't the case. That wasn't possible anymore. Um, and that was, that was, that was a little sad. That was a little sad last year for sure. Very sad. Jarring. It was definitely jarring for all of us. The entire yeah. fan base just being like, wait, what's going on here? Looking at some of those lineups, Jeremy was in Denver where I'm at just after the trade deadline. And we're like, what is this Cubs lineup tonight? You know, for all three of these games, but looking at some of the photos coming out of Arizona right now, there's a lot of optimism. There's some real good young mm -hmm. talent in the system. They're hanging out with each other. They're learning how to win baseball games with each other. Maybe these next couple of years, we're going to see another generation of photogenic and successful baseball players on the North side. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. There, I mean, there's, there's guys who were doing some things last year. I caught a couple of pictures of Patrick wisdom, you know, of course, Frank Schwindel is, you know, he's, he literally is, you know, a mug for the camera, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's great, you know, um, uh, that when they do some things, it was that, that play, I miss the actual play where he slides into first base to win the game. Uh, it was a late season game and, and, and they had to wait for a, you know, a, a, a replay review, make sure that he was actually safe at first base. Um, but it was, a, it was, I, I believe it, it was definitely a walk-off, but I don't know if it was a comeback win, if there was a tie. But there was, you know, when they, when he got back to the dugout, there was that whole thing where they rip off the jersey and all the rest of that. And it was, it was fun to capture it, um, you know, but it was, it was still a little bit different because it was, it was a different group of guys, you know, <laughs> so it was the Cubs, but it wasn't the Cubs. It wasn't the Cubs that I've, I had gotten so used to seeing for, you know, for so many years, which is weird being, you know, 50 something years old and being like, you know, wow, where's my team? I mean, that feels like I should be something saying when I'm, I don't know how I could imagine how devastating it could be for like someone who's actually is 12 or 13 years old right now. And it's like, what happened to my team that I've had for so long? Um, if, if I feel this way, I imagine what they might feel. But yeah, the new, the new group, I hope the new group is great. Yeah. I'd love to get to another spring training and, and, and shoot that group, you know, getting those guys before they actually, before they become, amazing would be uh, a really good thing to do and, and, and hopefully that's going to happen this year and you know if not then I guess it'll in terms of strength training access and, and ability to get in and, and hang out there maybe next year then probably hopefully yeah I want to say that late season game was against the Pirates I feel like it was it, crazy was, it, was, an, it was an early September comeback win against the Pirates <laughs> yeah which tells you how bad things have gotten for the Cubs when they yeah. needed yeah. comeback it some crazy games in that series, but uh, you mentioned before uh, earlier that like going to Detroit when you wanted to see Shohei Itani, that was mm -hmm. uh, they weren't as you know amenable to you bringing your camera. But I don't know if you travel to uh, other cities often to watch games. But are there any other ballparks that like you've had enjoyable experiences shooting at that you like shooting at? So um, since I've been since I've I've brought cameras to the to games on a regular basis, I, I'd say the the, the parks that I've actually been to, with, I'm trying to think about this now, it's actually a question I haven't thought of. I've been to Toronto a lot. My wife is originally from Toronto. Um, so she's originally from the Philippines, but she grew up in Toronto. And so I, I've spent a lot of time going to, to Cubs games, or to Blue Jays games um, at, of different kinds. Um, Milwaukee has been another uh, place that has allowed, you know, allows, uh, the, you know, you to bring in whatever you have. Um, Comiskey is, is, is pretty liberal. I wonder if, if that's going to still be the case. If they, you know, I don't know if the, if the folks at United Center are going to set policy for the folks at, at um, whatever they call it. What do they call it again? Guaranteed rate. Guaranteed rate. Guaranteed yeah. rate field ballpark of Chicago. So, something like that. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, whatever they, um, hopefully that's, if, if I, I mean, I don't plan on going to any White Sox games, not because I, I don't particularly hate the White Sox. I just don't care about the White Sox. 
Um, it, I might care more about who the White Sox are playing. Because I think the last time I took pictures at a White Sox game, Mike Trout, it was, it was an Angels game. And it was because Mike Trout was there. Um, but yeah, so that would, that would probably be, those are the, the um, Miller, well, that's not, not Miller Park either, whatever it's called. <laughs> uh, Milwaukee, Toronto, and the other park in Chicago. Those would be the three. And, and then Detroit recently, of course, with the, you know, restricting what I can bring in. So uh, those are, those are my, my main experiences with the cameras. I have been to, you know, I actually have to make my way to some other parks. Uh, I was actually planning on doing that this summer, you know, maybe going West and, you know, one of those cub swings. Um, I've never been to Petco. Uh, I've never been to um, whatever the Giants park is called now. Um, so, I, I mean, those would be parks to go to and maybe that, Maybe getting to the Coliseum in Oakland before that goes away would be a good thing to do. Uh, I was actually lucky enough to do that with, with Yankee Stadium and Tigers, seeing those two uh, before they actually uh, met the wrecking ball. So um, it would be good to clock in um, the Coliseum as well. I know Ronan's a big Oakland A's, a big Oakland Coliseum guy. It was uh, better than I thought it would be. Like, look, it's a terrible ballpark. No question about it. But I've been to the two worst, Tampa Bay and Oakland. Oakland is a much, much better experience than Tampa Bay. It is worth getting to before they tear that thing down. That makes sense. And, you know, and, and if you look at photos of the old Oakland Coliseum when they first yeah. built it, and it didn't, they didn't like close off that one end for football purposes, which ends up being a, you know, a mess because now they don't even have a football team. I mean, it, it, it wasn't a bad-looking place to watch a game. Um, you know, and on a side note, uh, I have a, a ton of Oakland A's hats. I have no idea why I have so many, but I actually set, probably second to Cubs hat. I have a lot of Oakland A's hats. Um, just because it's, I, it's always been a color, really cool color combination, probably. And, um, you know, it, it, I, so I don't have any, like, weird colored Oakland A's hats, but I do have a lot of Oakland A's hats. Yeah, they're, like, the and, only and, team that wears green. So they have it all to themselves. Yeah. I, I mean, and Tampa at one point wore green, and I think they were the only two. And green would have been a great color for the Cubs' um, City Connect jerseys instead of what they ended up doing with the Wrigleyville yeah. stuff. I, I, you know, I was like sort of not greatly impressed with the Wrigleyville set. I love the hat. Hat is great. The best hat probably of all the hats. But um, you know, in terms of the the uniform, something along the scoreboard, something modeled after the scoreboard or after the ivy would have been great. Yeah. Maybe the next time. Yeah, I always I thought they dropped the ball. We'll we'll get into that because I know you're a big hat and jersey guy. Even as we record, you have your jersey collection or part yeah. Of it, you know, you I, I apologize. I, I I dumped my camera and then I can't get it back. So you know that's that's perfectly okay. We, we still back. we still have you on audio and we we had you on camera enough to see your uh, your your uh, conferencing location here. We'll get into the hats and jerseys because I know you're a big hat and jersey guy. Sure. You mentioned that the players have interacted with some of your posts on social media that Javi has, that Wilson has. Um, have Has the team ever reached out to you about your work in any kind of official capacity? And have any of the players ever contacted you about your work beyond just uh, hitting that like button on some of your posts? So, um... I, I, I think, I feel like, and, and I, I don't want to malign Cub social media um, of late, but it, it, it feels like, and you probably, you guys might be hooked in more closely. And so, and I definitely don't want to offend anybody who's got a friend in Cub social media, but it, but it feels like at the early part of the, you know, the, the Madden era, I guess is probably the easiest way to put it in the Theo era, there, there was a, a lot more freewheeling sort of like give and take. Um, between Cubs social media and any kind of creative person, you know, so there were people who were making, you know, they were doing drawings, they were doing pictures, they were doing videos, they were doing like memes, all kinds of stuff. And there was, it seemed like there was a lot more interaction with, with Cubs social on a lot of those things. And so in that period of time, yeah, I'd get a lot more Cubs, the Cubs would be retweeting some of my stuff. And there was a picture I took of, it was the infield after a win. I think it was 2018. And for whatever reason, Javi started this thing where he pretended that his wrist guard in his back pocket was a, was a cell phone. Was, and he like held, he like 
he gathered David Bodie and Rizzo and, and Zobris together and he's and he posed like for a selfie. And I don't know if anybody, if it was caught on TV or for a broadcast, but I was like, that's hilarious. So I took a picture of that and it's Javi literally holding his, his wrist guard up in the air and they're smiling at it and saying cheese like it's a real camera. And then later, I think like a couple of days later, they won a game again and Rizzo ends up, you know, pretending to take the shot of the three of them. He goes down on a knee and, and gets them to pose. And I took a picture of that and that got retweeted by the Cubs. So that would be like the biggest thing was that the Cubs, you know, Cubs social media would retweet things or they would send, sometimes they'd send a message saying, hey, that was a great shot. You know, there was a little bit more interaction in that way. Nothing beyond that. It wasn't like, you know, Steve Green is not in any kind of trouble yeah. <laughs> in terms of, you know, becoming the, the Cubs photographer. But it was one of those things where it's like, you know, it, it, that was that was pretty much it. And then I'd see those people at Cubs convention and they were very cool and, and they would, you know, they talk about things. The last couple of years, it's been a little bit different. You know, I, I, I feel like they, they try to, to claim the content space on their own and that's their right, I guess, you know, it's their team. Um, but it's always, I think it, the more interaction you have with fans would probably, um, you know, and, and I take pictures as a fan. I don't take pictures to make money. I don't, there's a million times I get asked, do you sell this photo? Can I, you know, can I buy this for me? And I don't, I don't, I don't sell photos. I don't, I don't want to kill that golden goose of being able to go to the game and enjoy, you know, capturing what I'm seeing by selling it, you know, unless they tell me I can't bring my camera and then we're talking NFTs and, you know, that's what we're doing. No, but, um, so no, it, it, I, I would hope that that would be something that changes over time that, the, you know, the Cubs again, get back to interacting with the fans a little bit more, um, you know, who are, who are doing some things creatively to sort of support the team. Um, and that, you know, amplifying some of those things is not really, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody who's thinking about selling what they do, but for me personally, it's literally, you know, I just like the idea of more people getting to see it and experience some of the same things I experienced in terms of players. Um, every once in a while, you'll, you, I've, I've gotten a, a, a DM from a player saying, Hey, can you send that photo to me? The, the main person who has asked for stuff before was Javi. Javi Baez would ask for things. Um, Jason Hayward, Dexter Fowler before I took a picture of Dexter chasing his little daughter around when on a kids run the bases day, um, on a Sunday, uh, after a game. And, um, he liked that photo and he ended up asking for that. Um, you know, so like you'll, you'll get messages from time to time from different players, but those are, those are the main ones, uh, who've actually interacted uh, specifically to say, um, you know, to, to, basically without saying hey i like this saying they like this i think it's just so cool that this franchise goes back to the mid 1800s and here you are in 2022 your passion for photography the interconnected online communities we have on things like twitter and instagram and you're able to be part of this history of this franchise in your own way capturing incredible moments sharing it with fan bases getting players to interact with you that's really cool yeah, no, that's, that's a great way to think about it. Um, you know, and, and I think it's however people create their own memories of things about this particular point in time with this team. You know, I mean, the, as we can tell, the, the, the great moments don't happen all that often for this franchise when you average them out over the course of history. Um, so, you know, it, seize them as much as you possibly can, however you would want to do that if you if, if it's by a jersey collection, you know, collect jerseys. If it's, you know, if it's selfies with the players on the team, then, then do that. If it's, you know, videos from, from games or videos of, you know, highlights from, the, from a TV screen that you're, that you're grabbing, whatever it is that, that you know, allows you to, to keep those memories is, is really important to do because, yeah, I mean, we'd love to think that this is going to be something that's always, there's always going to be a great memory every year of Cubs baseball. And that's not necessarily true. Um, you know, so that's, but it, I'm glad that I am alive in this period of time uh, and, and was actually able to, to feel the lows and the highs of being a Cubs fan, the ultimate high of being a Cubs fan, um, you know, which is, you, you saw that, that rally or that, that whatever that celebration in, in LA for the Rams, as if there are any real Rams fans, right? <laughs> 
Los Angeles Rams fans, if they're any real Los Angeles fans. So, but, um, you know, comparing it to that day in November in Grand Park, I mean, it's, it's, it's not even close. It doesn't even, it doesn't even register. It's not a, it's a blip. It's a, you know, it, it's statistically insignificant in comparison to, to everything that, that happened on that, that day where, you know, million, what was it? The, the one of the largest, was it the largest gathering? of, of It humans was fifth, North America? Fifth, or six, fifth or sixth largest gathering in human history, five billion or so. I, yeah. And, you know, believe me, I, it was, I believe, I believe every bit of it. Cause you just looked at that sea of people and it was just incredible, you know, and it's, and, who knows when that's going to, we, we really hope it happens soon, <laughs> but who knows when it's actually going to happen again. And it'll never be that again, right. but it'll be, you know, it'll still be amazing. Um, and I, I, I put up with a run of, you know, you know, a, a run that gets us, you know, four or five more before I'm done. Yeah. You know, that'd be great. Um, I think that's reasonable. <laughs> I'll take that. Well, let's hear about this uh, hat and Jersey collection. And I will preface this by saying, I've got a Coy Hill jersey. Not many of those in the world. I'm proud of that one. You've got a lot of jerseys behind you. We saw them a little bit earlier. What are we talking about here in terms of total numbers? So, uh, ballpark, right? Um, We're looking at, and I'm trying to like really look at it carefully, really quickly. Three, six, nine, ten, and then figure out where ten goes. So, I mean, there's got to be about 60, 70 jerseys. Goodness. And half of them are, you know, half of them are Cubs jerseys. Um, you know, I have a 19, well, it, none of these are like from the time, the year I'm telling you. Right? They're just, these are the style years that they're, um, they're coming in. There's a 69 Billy Williams jersey. Um, they're just really quickly looking through the, the, the 2017, the gold jersey that they wore, a Javi Baez jersey that they wore for the um, ring ceremony. Uh, a Javi batting practice jersey. I think you're going to hear a theme of Javi jerseys. Uh, an El Mago Players Weekend jersey. Uh, a Felix Dubron 1990 All Star um, uh, uh, retro jersey that they put together. Dubron wasn't on that team though in 2015. They just, for some reason, they had his jersey though. <laughs> and then I took Dubron, I got it. I thought you mentioned Dubron came off with Jason Hayward on it. So it's actually a, a Jason Hayward. Um, 1990 um, road jersey, uh, a, a 78, um, what would be a, a Von de Jesus. This was my Hugh Darvish tribute jersey at the time. Um, an Andre Dawson uh, style jersey from like 88. Rizzo's jersey that if he were to wear, have worn the jersey in 1984. And then I'm looking at one now. This is like an actual, um, this was a Tico Walker um Danger, game worn jersey uh, that I bought at Cubs convention in 2000. Um, wow. And it does not fit. Um, so I'm not actually, I have to lose some weight so I can fit back in the jersey. It's actually pretty cool. But a lot of 80s themed jerseys, uh, the All Star jersey from when, uh, you know, everybody went to the All Star game in 2016. Uh, the batting practice jersey that is usually, you usually see Rhino's number on it, but I've got um, Dawson's number on it. Awesome. Uh, put Javi's number on an 84 road jersey, uh, the, the 1945 jersey. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are, those are the, the – that's – and then a bunch of jerseys from other teams, too, because I still – you know, I, I, I don't claim to be a fan of any of these teams, really, but I do like the designs of the jerseys. So, you know, a handful of Blues Jays jerseys, some Yankees jerseys. The Astros rainbow jersey is, you know, despite the Astros being the Astros, it's still a classic. I do have, I hate to say this, an 84 Padres batting practice jersey. Ooh. Mostly because it's, it's got Tony Gwynn's number on it. And Tony Gwynn was one of my favorite players at the time. Um, so I do have one of those. Uh, an Expos jersey from the 69 season. Cool. Um, a 70s, like Phillies jersey, road jersey. A Seattle Mariners road jersey from 84. Um, a Toronto Blue Jays jersey from the uh, first season, the road jersey. A lot of powder blue, a lot of powder blue stuff. And then there's some football jerseys in here. There's, you know, a Walter Payton road jersey. Um, and I look for, like, jerseys that go on sale for players that are no longer with their teams, just if I like the jersey, but I don't really care who the player is. Like Todd Gurley, a Todd Gurley Rams jersey. Or, uh, 
Le'Veon Bell Steelers jersey uh, or a Khalil Mack Raiders jersey. So that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty varied in terms of jerseys. And then the hat thing is just completely out of control. I got so many hats. Um, How many hats are we talking? Is it, is it more? Is it more than your jerseys? Yeah, there's more hats. Than jerseys. <laughs> That's a lot of hats. There's like, I think, I think my daughter did buy it. She's like, she's like, Dad, you have like over a hundred something. And I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, I do. Like, no shit, I have a hundred something. But it's like, I would say about thirty of them are Cubs hats of various kinds. Um, the, the forty-five Cubs hat, uh, the the, uh, the various All-Star hats. I don't collect every single Cubs hat, but the ones that I do have, you know, I do wear. Um, there's the one that kind of looks like a Kanye West album Cubs hat that I bought. It, it's like the, I forgot the designer's name, it's a Japanese name. Um, but it, you know, it looks like the graduation day um, cover, album cover for Kanye. Um, I got that hat, Players Weekend hat. And then what has happened lately, and this is probably the pandemic. I'm going to blame the pandemic. It has to be the pandemic. But I, I started buying hats. I, I started seeing hats from Hat Club. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'll get that. And then like the next day they'd hit with another hat that I thought was kind of cool. And I got that one. And then eventually it's sort of like, it's, it's really grown. So shout out to Hat Club, I guess. Or they should shout me out because I've like bought all their hats. But I don't buy every single hat that they make. I really do try to focus on hats that, that I don't have color combinations in. And then if I do really like, like, there's some other hats that I have that are just amazing hats that I just want to keep and have. Uh, like, you know, there's a lot of Negro League hats that I have, um, different variations of, you know, Bears hats or Expos hats, um, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's out of control. Hopefully it's out of control, for sure. Controversial question here in the Cubs hat world. Are you for or against the old red build road baseball caps? What do you think? So I, when they came out, I bought the red bill, you know, um, but I was happy when they stopped using it. Uh, that's, that's, that's my, that's my viewpoint. I know Jeremy disagrees. Ronan, and I can never remember which side you're on, but I know Keep yeah. it blue. I, he's a blue guy. I, yeah. I, I mean, a blue is a great hat. It's probably the better hat, but I like having the option of both. And actually, I'll be honest with you. I actually, and, and I don't know how people feel about this, but I actually did like it when they, when, when Joe Madden said, we're only going to wear the pinstripes at home. Um, that we're not going to wear the blue alternate jersey at home. And that's, I'll be honest with you, I don't like the walking bear. Um, it, it's, I, just, I don't know. I, just, I don't like, first of all, I'm trying to figure out if you look at the, you remember the, how the 60s Cubs sleeve logo, mm-hmm. sort of like it looks weird, right? Like it's yeah, a my, bug my, eyes my, thing. My like, father always I, calls it the Honeycrisp bear. And I understand how people, but like if you go on Google and you actually look at a picture of a cub bear, it actually looks like that. Mm. I mean, it's kind of crazy that it actually does look like that. Um, but I, and I also like fell in love with that because that was the, that was the logo I grew up with for the longest time. I remember when they switched in 79 to the angry, the sort of angry uh, comic bear. The best one. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I love that logo. I have, I have I've got Six jerseys with that cup logo, that sleeve logo on it for sure. So, I, the other one, the one after it that came in '93, I want to say, the one that looks like an old bear, like a bear with like like a beard. I, I just don't understand that one because that's not a cub. That's a bear. It's a cub. They, you're trying to find a cub, not a bear. Uh, when they when they came out with the spring training hats today, I think it was put them out or somebody put them out or put the post of the photos. I was like that thing is not a it's not a cub it's a it's an adult bear it should be a cub um and, and then the walking bear i think had i get why they try why they did it i understand like you know it, it's it's different and it's but I, I i didn't i just didn't like it as much um and so i i only have one jersey in that alternate style and actually it's, it's one that i guess i kind of regret having now it was a it was a game-worn jersey, and I can't remember who the player was who was wearing number sixty-two at the time. Um, but I got it for like it was like a like a it was it was only for forty dollars or something like that. Nice. And I took the name off and put Carlos Quintana's name on it, so it's got a Carlos. It's a Carlos Quintana 
jersey. So I mean, I'm never wearing this jersey, right? But I have it. Um, and it's but it's the only and partly in because I don't like the Walking Bear logo, you know. Uh, and mostly though, Carlos Quintana. But, you know. <laughs> A lot of people have strong opinions on the Walking Bear. I've seen people say that they they just hate the Walking Bear logo, and I, I know we're in agreement. the The 1979 Angry Bear is the best bear face logo. And I completely understand what you mean about the nineties one. That's kind of shaggy on the sides. Yeah. It's just, it's just not as good. And to our listeners out there who haven't seen them yet, the, if there ever is a spring training this season, and there will be one way or the other, the hats are starting to make their rounds now. And the logo on the newest model of spring training hat is this shaggy 1990s bear face, which, and I guess it's that bear just in profile who is the walking bear. And I've seen a lot of people have strong opinions about the walking bear and I don't hate it, but you're, you are 100% on the money. The 1979 angry bear face is not only the best one, but it's criminally underused in their, in their modern, their, their modern attire. Absolutely. I mean, it, it should, it should definitely make a sleeve appearance. I think that probably, you don't have to kill it on a hat, you know, cause they have used it on hats. But like on the sleeve, every once in a while it would be great. That one year that the Cubs, 2014, where the Cubs had 10 different uniforms, even though they, they kind of screwed themselves on like, I think the 2000 decade and the, the 80s decade, they could have brought the blue and white road uniform back for the 80s. But they just did their uniform that they wore during the 80s for the, you know, the home uniform. They just used that one. Um, but that year when they brought, when they broke out all those, those retro uniforms, that was fantastic and i mean i know that no team is going to use 10 uniforms in a year because yeah god help them if they have to spend money on more than you know two uniform sets or designs or whatever the approval process is for mlb but you really wish that they would actually you know mixing it up would be great um and i think it would be really interesting um, and, and and certainly the logos the, the old mixing up with old logos and maybe take a shot at a new logo see what it might be like Maybe it'll be interesting. Maybe it'd be terrible, but you know, at least it'll be it'll be something you might be able to put in the mix um, if it can stick. Uh, and of course, I guess cliche now would be making it part of the. It would be mixing in the city flag logo or something. I guess yeah. the city flag design. That's a really kind of the, the big thing to make sure you do on, on almost everything in Chicago now. Well, I like your point earlier too about the green. Big missed opportunity in oh, yeah. the city jerseys the ivy the scoreboard just the green seats i mean yeah. we think of blue and then red and white with cubs colors but green is wrigley field that's the color yeah. of the ballpark it would have been cool if they leaned into that i mean if you think about like all those folks who you know there, there were people you if you ever watched any of the histories of you know like where wgn uh, had a whole history about they did a whole program i think a few maybe 10 or 12 years ago on one of their anniversaries and it was people describing how they had always watched the games in black and white. And then when they came up the stairs and you still see people do it today where they'll hold out their phones and they're walking up the stairs to get into the park, just to illustrate that whole, you know, that whole holy shit moment I'm at Wrigley Field, you know, and it, it, the, the color that hits you first is not blue, it's not red, it's green. Green field, green seats, green wall, green, um, green scoreboard. Um, and, and that's because of what green represents to all of us, which is baseball and summer and, you know, open fields and, and everything good. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely a missed opportunity. Um, and it's funny that, because now we're actually, well, I'm, I'm retired now. I'm actually retired from, you know, where I was working. I, work, I was working over at Cook County. I was a secretary to the board, but I'm still the county historian. We actually were the before the flag, before the, um, the pandemic hit, we had a flag contest of, uh, you know, where we were getting kids to, around the county to redesign the county flag um, and put in their, their submissions. And one of the things that we wanted to emphasize to them was, you know, the forest preserve would be one thing to make sure you capture in this design. Obviously the easiest way to do that is with the color green. So a lot of designs came back with green and blue and, you know, of course, still a lot of the city type of stars and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, green is, is definitely as much a part of Chicago and the Chicago experience and Chicago area and the Cubs as, you know, as, as blue and, and, and red is. 
one of my favorite Cubs hats from Hat Club is actually a green Cubs hat with the 1960s bareface logo on the front. So um, it, it, it's, it's, it was a definite missed opportunity uh, last year. I've seen some people talk about what they get from Hat Club. I imagine that's addictive and they just toss you one hat after another. Yeah, I mean, and it's weird because like you'd think, all right, I mean, it's just designs, right? It's not, it's designs and it's colors and anybody can do them. But then I go to lids and I'm like, nah, there's nothing here I really want. Um, and then you see on other on other sites and, and the thing that they really started to incorporate over the last few years, the last year or so has been the side patch. That's a really big deal now is what side patch are they putting on the hat? So it's not just the one logo, but it's also so like on the Expos hat that I have, it's got the Expos, the traditional Expos EMB logo. Um, and then on the side, it's got their all-star game logo from 1982. Um, I have Cubs hats with the 1962 all-star game logo. The hat I was wearing before I screwed up my video was a, what they call the cotton candy version of the Cubs hat, which has a pink traditional C and on the side, the 1990 all-star game logo. So you'll see like all-star game logos. You'll see anniversaries of parts, uh, 50, the one, I have an A's hat, speaking of the A's, which has like a, a, it's a gold hat with just the singular A that they went with before the seventies. And then on the side patch is a 50th anniversary, you know, 19, uh, the 50th anniversary of the team in Oakland patch on the side. And there's another one I have, which has the, the Battle of the Bay series uh, between the A's and the Giants. I've got, you know, a New York Giants hat that's purple, um, but then it's got like the old Giants logo with the, you know, with, with like the script G and then the cursive Giants on the side. I mean, it's, it, it varies, but that's as much of a, now it's like when I get a regular, if I see a regular hat, I'm like, maybe I don't really want it there's a patch on the side and that's a that hat club is the thing that really has sort of set that, that whole thing off and then they do collections and there's pins and you know yeah it's a thing so it's it's like a it's it, it really did they got me they got me i i gotta admit it they got me i get it i get it completely one thing before we start to wrap this up we of course could not interview a photographer without showing our listeners some of our photographers great work uh, Matt will be kind enough to share some of his favorite photos with us via his Twitter account. Again, find him on Twitter at MBD Chicago. Find us on Twitter at BTYL Podcast. Find us when this episode goes up and we will rebroadcast some of Matt's favorite photos so you can see his work and not just listen to us talk about this, his work. Great. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah, listen, man, thank you for your time. You're onto something really cool here. Your passion for the Cubs, your passion for photography, you're capturing moments and you're sharing it with this community of Cubs fans, something that's very important to us, something that's very special to us. You've got a really neat thing going on here that you're in the middle of that and that your creativity gets to capture some of these moments and share it with a fan base that beats it up. So can't stress it enough. Instagram, Twitter, at MBD Chicago. Matt, thanks for your time tonight. We'll catch up again here soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.